episode of the Art vs. Commerce podcast, proudly presented by Masters in Motion. Uh, last week I mentioned it, but I want to mention it this week as well, that we are running a discount on the Masters in Motion uh, film conference that happens every December. Right now, uh, normal ticket price is 900 for the three days, which is admittedly a great price, but with the discount code of AVCPOD, you get $100 off. That's going to run for another couple weeks, so be sure to uh, sign up now and um, get, get over there for it. It's going to be great. Um, I'll talk more about that in a second, but want to just say that at the top, because this week our guest is Claire Popkin. He uh, f- was the DP for Free Solo, which is um, famously the, uh, the the documentary about Alex Honnold, Free Soloing El Cap, and um, it won the Oscar for Best Documentary, and Claire's... Um, was an amazing guest. I, I really enjoyed talking with him and hearing all about his his career trajectory thus far. I think he does a great job of of hitting all of the different points um, of his career in a way that like really makes sense for for kind of understanding how he got to the to the place that he is. Um, he has a lot of his work is available either on streaming platforms or online. Um, he's made some excellent docs that are on HBO. Obviously, Free Solo is at this point is is streaming on on things as well, and you should totally see it. I mean, it's it's an amazing it it one hundred percent deserved to win best doc. It's it's a thrilling. It doesn't matter that you know um, he climbs it because you're still like on the edge of your seat as if he could fall at any moment, and um, let alone the emotional stories that it tells just about who Alex is as a person and and um, everything about him in that way that that isn't about climbing per se is just a, a character study and it's and, and it's excellent and so uh, the conversation with Claire about his career about um, the choices that he's making about um, the different technical approaches that he takes uh, were great and the second half we really dive into free solo and it was just so much fun picking his brain about it and hearing all about it and um, the stories that he tells about what it was like to film the actual day of event of the climb and how he how he did it um was just thrilling I like I was on the edge of my seat listening to him talk about it so I I I really enjoyed um this uh this conversation and um so much thanks to Claire for coming down um it was always great to do an episode in person and um so just you know a big big thanks to him and so like I said earlier Masters of Motion filmmaking conference happens in December uh people like Claire um or, or ASC cinematographers ACE editors um production designers they all come down they give presentations there's a hands-on day uh, but most importantly a lot of them will stay for the three days and and come out at night and and you can buy them a drink at the bar and pick their brain and really get to get to chat with them and I think that's what sets it apart so um, it's a great um, it's a great trip a lot of people have been going for years it's a reunion of sorts um, so the social aspects are just awesome and so uh, please come come down and join us uh, at shooteditlearn.com is where you can buy tickets and again the um, discount code for right now is AVC pod. So this week is uh, cinematographer Claire Popkin. Thanks for being here. I guess I wanted to, because it seems like you've been freelance for a long time. Was, were you freelance right out of college and how do you initially get your, your footing so I started working in film uh, when I was in college. Um, I think it might have been the summer of my sophomore year or freshman year. Yeah. I got an internship on, on independent film, and then after that I started working as a PA, did some loading gigs. Um, this would have been 2004, 2005. So still mostly like film jobs, uh, camera PA, loader PA, whatever to pay the bills yeah, and just yeah. get on set. Um, and then every summer thereafter in college, 
Um, I just came to the city and I mainly worked in camera department, did a few swing G&E jobs. And then when I graduated, um, I basically came out and worked as a camera assistant right away. Yeah. I was in school in upstate New York, so it was pretty easy to get Where'd back you go? and forth. Ithaca College. Oh, cool. I went to Syracuse. Oh, cool. Yeah. Nice. So, yeah. Neighbors. Yeah. Um, yeah. We, we, uh, we did that cold together. <laughs> oh, God. Um, <laughs> um, so, that, then I basically came to the city and worked as a camera assistant. Um, I joined 600 pretty quickly. Really? Um, yeah. I had a bunch of From connections. From right out of college? Yeah, because I'd been working those summers. So, I kind of had wow. a bunch of connections, had a bunch of call sheets already in paychecks. Um that's unique, I think. Um, I mean, to understand that and to do that so early. I think I had a bit of a chip on my shoulder because I wanted to go into the film program at my school and I didn't get accepted. Um, oh, really? Yeah. So, so I, then what did you graduate with? I went undecided and then I got a degree in political science. Um, Fascinating. But you, so you went through the whole four years without, like, were you taking as many classes as you could, not being a major kind of thing? Yeah. Any, any uh, course I could take in yeah. that program, which was... A few um, yeah, yeah. I was able to take. Um, I worked on a lot of friends and student films, people who were film majors who were friends yeah. of mine. Yeah, yeah. So I kind of worked a lot with them and brought some more practical experience to their projects, which was actually pretty cool. Did you have um, a documentary stilt from the beginning or did that kind of develop? Well, you know, as a child, I watched a lot of... Uh, I watched a lot of documentaries, yeah. like Nat Geo stuff mainly. Sure, um, sure. Wasn't really allowed to watch a ton of movies uh, at my mom's house anyway. Oh, really? Um, yeah, so I watched a lot of Nat Geo docs, and, I, and from a young age, I was kind of like, I want to be a you know a cinematographer or a marine biologist. But I was watching a lot of docs. That sure. was kind of my sure view of cinematography. Yeah, mostly yeah. Wildlife stuff, actually. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yes, yeah, so and after after college, I, I don't know, I was kind of like working mostly in the commercial sphere and also working on some docs as a camera assistant. And what were you, uh, as, as you started working as a camera assistant, were you trying to angle it towards the genre of doc or was it really whatever was coming? Um, as a camera assistant, I enjoyed the commercial work a lot. Yeah. Um, just cause I had the tools and it was fun to work on bigger setups, but it happened to just work with some DPs that were doing a mix of commercial and documentary work. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I just always paid attention. That was the best education you could get was working yeah. with talent. Any talent notable DPs that you were working um, under? I worked with Maurice Alberti quite a bit. Yeah. Um, she was great. Cool. Um, and like a big influence on me and gave me tons of advice, which was wonderful. Um, Anything that sticks out? Um, I mean, we would just study frames sometimes. Like at the end of the day, if I was operating something with her, she'd be, we'd look at the work. She'd be like, oh, why didn't you pay in this way? Why didn't you do this? And it was like tough love. It was great. But it was like, gotcha. you learn from everything you do. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. Cool. And just watching her operate, the way she moves is like, it's like she's doing Tai Chi. Like That's she awesome. moves in this very fluid way, like hips and knees mm-hmm. and like, is just really, really impressive. So do you just watch that? Yeah. Um, you know, you watch every, every DP lights a scene. Mm-hmm. It could be like the same interview set up or a walk and talk or, you know, any a commercial scene. Sure. And everyone's going to do it a different way using yeah. a variety of tools. So. That is kind of the amazing thing. I remember speaking with um, like people who are like ACs trying to be DPs. And I was like, listen, obviously make the transition if you want. But just uh, once you become fully a DP, like you're never going to be on another DP set. So like really soak in the opportunity you have now because that's going to be gone eventually yeah like have if you have that drive it's just like actually paying attention yeah you know and and a lot of times the, the relationship between a dp and ac is you you become friends so sure you know, I, a lot of my close friends were dps that i ac'd for yeah back in the day yeah. and i could ask them like obviously you find the right time you're not in the middle of like a big day on set like hey so yeah. why like, and they'll be like talk about things but yeah, no, yeah i love that setup like why was the backlight from that side or just any number of things that maybe don't make sense when you're learning 
Totally. Um, yeah. So yeah, so I was, that was kind of my path in and, you know, I did that for a number of years and I really enjoyed it until I didn't anymore. And then I was like stressed out. And, yeah. Uh, How'd you go about making that transition? Cause I, I know it stresses <clears throat> a lot of people out. Um, well, I was just, you know, I was working on bigger and bigger sets as a focus puller. And at a certain point I just was like, I don't want to take new clients. I'm not in, enjoying like this job anymore. I want to start shooting. What weren't you enjoying? Um, just like the stress of really big sets where it's like, if you blow a pull, like you're probably not coming back. And like, I was pretty good at it, but it just got to a point where you're it's You're not like, a robot. Yeah. But also it's like with the transition to digital, mm-hmm. people are like trying to shoot everything without a rehearsal, like not wanting to do marks. And so if you work with a new DP, you, you don't know if where they come from. Like, are they going to understand the process and be like, right. give you the time to do your job well. Right. You know, and, and part of the job is being flexible too. Yeah. Um, but yeah, then I, so I basically, I was on a shoot or Marisa told me about a project coming up and I was like, oh, I'm kind of like hoping to start operating. She was like, oh, well, I need you to do B camera on this. And it was, um, oh, awesome. Yeah, you know, we did a few episodes of the show Years of Living Dangerously, which was like a climate change um, documentary. Yes. yes. And so then I went on that and the kind of other people were like, oh, well, you could operate for me as well, basically. Um, and I was, let's see, uh, like Matt Lloyd had brought me on to like pull focus on the pilot for Alpha House. Mm-hmm. And then he was like, be great if you operate it. We'll see like if we go to two cameras type of deal or like I don't want to operate. And then so day one, he was like, hey, operate. And so then start, you know, that was kind of like a decent show. And then I just kept so moving So it was along. like DPing by way of operating. Yeah. So yeah. then... Yeah, I was shooting some smaller things. Like I shot this smaller HBO film um, documentary, which, Liv- Living with Lincoln, which was just this weird, quirky film. But it's like we made a beautiful thing, and it yeah, and it was it was a fun thing. It, I think it looked great. Like I'm still like, oh, that looks really good. And um, what was also nice is that because you got in the union so early. I mean, to yeah. be to have the card. Oh, was sure. really beneficial for all of these opportunities. Well, yeah, it meant that I was I was working with big DPs and on bigger sets yeah. too. Yeah. Um, so like, yeah, being in the union was great. It was also like I was getting union health care. Um, you know, all vested in the pension. That whole thing is nice. Um, and I mean, when you were when you were camera assistant starting out, there was also a time like when I started. It was just before like the red came out and the five D. So it was like I was already working with film and already had that experience. Mm-hmm. And you know had a decent like name already. Mm-hmm. So when that came out, I got on that early. And so it was like, now it's, there's a lot of people trying to join the industry. When I joined, there weren't quite as many yeah. because it was still way more like technical, like loading film and pulling focus on film. Yeah. There was a higher barrier to entry exactly. just knowledge wise. So I kind of got in at a right time in that regards. And then when I was moving to shooting, I'd already had all these connections that had worked with me for years. Yeah. So that makes it sense. It was a little bit easier for me maybe in that respect. Yeah. No, um, that, that makes perfect sense. And it's, a, it's an interesting, it's very much of the time in which you came up. Yes. Like that can't, that story doesn't happen anymore. No, it was, you know, people ask me for advice all the time now, but like, oh, I want to get into shooting. I'll do this. And I'm kind of like, well, I mean. The way you did, it's not relevant. Yeah. But like, I, I'll give them advice, but sure. it's, it's, it's a different path. Universal now. concepts, 100%, mm-hmm. but like the actual way in which you did, it doesn't, it's fascinating how it doesn't apply yeah. anymore. And then I think like my first big leap into, into being a DP was, so I was operating on this film with, with, um, that Larkin Seipel is shooting. Oh, really? And uh, yeah, it's called Bleed for This. It's a boxing film. Uh, cool. Ben Younger directed. And I think it looks great. We had a great time. So I was doing like B cam and we would do break off units. And I'd, I'd camera assisted for him for a couple of years when he'd shoot. For New Larkin? York. Yeah. And he's oh, like, that's a awesome. close friend. He's, he's awesome. Cool. And, like, I think one of the most talented. Yeah. Guys I mean, the stuff today. he's putting out, just so that people know, like he shot um, um, Donald Glover's uh, yeah. music video. Yeah. This is America. Yeah. I shot that film 
can uh, I don't feel at home in this world anymore. I mean, in his commercial work, is I yeah, think he's so talented. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's ridiculous. He's a pheno. Um, you know, and he's like same age. Um, anyway, so I assisted for him for a while, and then he was like, "Oh, why don't you do this film with me?" And then as I was ending, a friend of mine who I who'd done a lot of work on that Living with Lincoln documentary, Brian Oakes, who was a super talented director who was kind of moving into directing yeah. at that point. Um, his friend, James Foley, was killed in Syria. That was his personal friend. Yeah, one of his best friends from childhood. Oh, from like man. First grade on. Oh, wow. I didn't realize that. And so, yeah. So he was like, kind of like, people are approaching me about making a film and, or approaching James's family about making a film. And, yeah. You know, I think that it seemed that like if someone's going to make a film, it should probably be somebody who knew him intimately. Sure. And Brian and him were best friends. Sure. So then he was like, we should, like, would you want to make a film with me? I was like, I'd love to. Yeah. And so we made this film. Um, it's been about a year on it. Like I built the light tiles that we used because they didn't exist at the time. So I took all these LED strips, made a travel kit, like shot it with me and Brian. Really? And so what, like you weren't, that's interesting because I guess a lot of it, I was, because I watched it in, in prep <clears throat> for this. Um, and I, I wanted to watch it anyway. Um, and I, it seems like a lot of the, since so much of it's archival, that the work that you were doing was primarily just like the interviews. So yeah, we did interviews. Then we do quite a bit. Like we went to Turkey and we shot like, oh, you did. B-roll of all sorts of stuff. And oh, you did? We built a set for the whole like reenactment portion. Oh, right. The reenactments on the second and, half um, definitely were... Yeah. Yeah, which was like in a studio, and we kind of built this set to scale to the specifications of the people we interviewed had, who had been in, pris- in prison. Oh, I didn't realize so that. So it was actually like accurate. Um, oh, that's cool. But so it's basically like Brian and I and the writer Chris Strong, who basically spent a good portion of a year kind of traveling, and we'd spend all day doing the interview, basically. So the lighting would change throughout, and it was just kind of like super intimate because you, you're trying to talk to family and friends about this really heavy subject. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I'm a... I'm, I was I was wondering I'm like these interviews must be so many hours. Yeah, it was like an all day thing. Yeah, um, I kind of I kind of wanted to ask just in terms of speaking about that with these, because obviously a lot of it is a question that's really more directed towards a the the director who's conducting an interview that's on on such um, emotional material. But as a cinematographer for in, in those situations, is there anything that you're doing, either in your setups or even in your Maybe like if you stay by the camera or if you decide to leave the room, like what kind of things are you doing for that emotional level of, of, um, interview? Um, well, that's a good question. Uh, let me think for a second here. I mean, on that one specifically, Mm -hmm. it was key to have just a super small crew. Yeah. Like we didn't bring in a gaffer. We didn't even have a sound person like Chris Wait, and that wasn't a people. budget limitation that was just a choice we could have yeah um we could have afforded to yeah. but it was a choice yeah. it was like brian know these knows these people intimately introduced the fewest that's so possible. huge so i'd like spend an hour or two just setting up the lights myself for the yeah. scene and kind of like oh is that light coming through the window feel right like tweak it come look at the monitor it's not ideal as a dp but it was having the fewest amount of people possible and then you know a lot of times i'll put a small flag in front of me so I'm not like visible like over the camera. Um, Interesting. Try and create something where it's like they can just have an intimate eye contact with Brian. Right, you know? right. Like we'd shoot two camera angles and I'd just kind of like look at them both. Yeah, bring like, bring the monitor from the far yeah, camera closer so could, to you. Yeah, yeah, exactly. totally. So it was about just creating an environment in, in their home, you mm-hmm. know, usually. So it's like don't take them to a foreign place and don't make the setup and the footprint too big. You don't want it to feel too commercial. And then roll before they sit in and let them like the first 
30 minutes or sometimes even more would just be them chatting. Like not mm. like the director's not getting right into it. Mm-hmm. And I'm not interrupting and being like, oh, the light's changing. I'm going to tweak that light, which is like agony for me. But like if it's a four hour interview or longer, the light's going to change in the background because I can't control it. Right. In like in that small. So you did kind of let go of certain aspects of it. Yeah. And that kind of is like agony at certain points. Sure. But, and there's moments in the film where I look at it, I'm like, oh, I wish I'd been able to change that. But, you know, you can't. And I think the content is king, you know, in a film like that. Well, sure. Absolutely. So, um, and then frequently, like if I didn't have a flag and the person saying something, it's just like little affirmative things like nod your head. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Deal. Like, I'll, you know, like yeah, just remain impartial when you can. Things like that. Just like mm-hmm. be empathic. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. 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 I mean, yeah, especially for that kind of thing. And I, I would imagine it's also, it's not hard because um, obviously they're talking about things that are really emotional and it's not hard for that to be, to hit you in a real way. Yeah. No, obviously. I, I cried behind the camera plenty of times. I'm sure. I mean, gosh, I cried watching it. And, yeah. and especially knowing that the director knows them personally. I mean, like at that point, it's like they're having a real conversation and you're the outsider. Yep. It was, which is, which is abnormal. Cause a lot of times you and the director are like in that together, not knowing whoever you're interviewing personally, but now one of the two of you does that, exactly. that puts you in that position of yeah. not, which is, which is fascinating. And yeah, in continue. some ways it allows me to like talk with Brian after like, I think this was good or this might've been personal cause they might reference the director be like, Oh, so Brian, you know, and I, and later I'd be like, you might want some clarity on that when we're at lunch. Like you provide an objective. Yeah, exactly. I'm like, you know this, but I don't know this. So if you can get them to elaborate, maybe that's helpful. Yeah, um, totally. Yeah, and that, anyway, that film went on to win the Audience Award at Sundance that year for documentary and then won an Emmy. When um, that got in, was that your first time Yeah, in Sundance? Yeah, that was like the second uh, feature-length project I shot as a DP. That's um, incredible. And I've been shooting some smaller like music video and like little small commercial projects. Um, when that yeah. got in, uh, how, what year was that? Was it two th- Sundance two thousand sixteen or two thousand fifteen? Okay, it so it's not that it's not that it's not that far ago. Yeah, it was one of those two. So when that got in, I was I'm I'm always curious to ask people for you know their first major film festival. What were your did, did you went? Yeah. And what was that experience? Like, how were you trying? How were you handling? I think that there can be pressure to make the most of that type of experience. Um, did you feel that type of thing, and how were you dealing with it? I think I was maybe a little naive. Um, oh, I really? didn't quite know what to expect. Mm-hmm. I didn't do a ton of prep. Um, the film was getting some stuff like ICG Magazine wanted to like talk about it ahead of time, which was cool. And I was like, oh, maybe this has some traction. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was just kind of there to support Brian, who's one of my close friends. Of course, And it was yeah. cool. The whole team was going. Some of James's family came. Yeah. Sting family came. affair. Yeah. And Sting did like a song for the film and he came and per- performed at Sundance. And it was just like, That's oh, cool. I'll just do all the stuff around the film. Yeah. Um, well, not kind of knowing what a circus it is. Um, and In I what went, way? For like you? Sundance, the whole like being on lists mm-hmm. and just getting around, understanding the geography of the place mm-hmm. and like staying warm and when to eat and pack snacks yeah. and, you know... All, all the various kind of like rules you figure out as you go. And I've sure. three years in a row now, but, um, or four, but it was, um, it was really fun. As I went, we figured it out pretty quickly though. I mean, it was just like the film had some buzz, which was great. So it was like, you kind of got into all the events you wanted to go to pretty easily because the publicity people handled it. Um, that is nice. Yeah. That changes things. Exactly. You're not alone there. Mm-hmm. The, so, the, the mechanics of the film are working in your favor. Going with a film was like great. Well, sure. Yeah. Know that I, 
you know, I don't know that I'd go without a project. Um, no, no, no. But sometimes even like if you go, you, you might not have that level of mechanics, even with the film you're with. Totally. Yeah. Um, so it was like a charmed experience for sure. And just staying with close friends and cool. Uh, it ended up being a great experience. I mean, Sounds it, yeah. met loads of people, had just had a great time. I mean, yeah. lots of connections in terms of just like in my peer group, especially, mm-hmm. which is cool. And then it, it does well at the, at the festival. Did you feel a, uh, an impact for you personally from the success of it after the fact? For sure. Um, I definitely got a lot of calls in terms of documentary work and I would, I'd been angling more into commercials that at that moment. And then when that came, I started starting all these calls for different documentary projects mm-hmm. um i noticed that people listen to your opinion more when you're shooting instead of a director trying to be oh. like oh this is how it needs to be it'd be more like oh what do you think and i'd be like oh, okay well i think that oh because yeah how we you've been shoot, proven you know? a little bit exactly so that definitely there was definitely a bump after that um and then when it won the emmy that increased yeah i think yeah um i think we, we shared an emmy that year with cartel land both they took yeah. two so it, which was cool um, and um, you went to that too. I did not go to the Emmys. Okay. Okay. No. Um, I'll go this year. Yeah. <laughs> so that'll be cool. You should. <laughs> um, cool. Um, and then where did, as a lot of those new documentary um, opportunities came because of this, what, how was it difficult to choose? Because obviously when it comes to features, I would think maybe it's a little more open as a DP versus like a director, which has to kind of get more married to it for a couple of years. But like, did you find yourself overwhelmed at all or how how was that um i mean i just not really i mean there was mm-hmm. there was a lot of offers and it was just trying to choose the right ones and some mm-hmm. some of them were some weren't um there was somewhere i was just like oh, i don't know if i want that experience again mm. um you know and, and dabbling into like serialized documentary stuff you know like with episodes and and it it all just kind of took a path like i wasn't very proactive about my career at that point work was just coming and um and that felt really, really cool. It and was so, like you were just going to take whatever offer you liked the most and let, exactly. let it ride. Like I was like, there was enough offers where I'd choose, mm-hmm. but it wasn't, I wasn't doing a ton of thought. I'd be like, oh, I like the subject matter. or Oh, this director seems cool. Yeah. Or like they have a budget to like do something different. Right. Um, whereas now when I look at something, you know, there's loads of offers, but I'm more like, can I do something visually different? I wasn't thinking about it as much. It was more like, I'm just trying to like actually feel like I know what I'm doing. Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, I think that that's a normal way to go about it, where in the beginning there's just a feeling of, like, I love that I'm being considered a professional at this, yep. versus now it's like, well, I've cleared that hurdle. And so it's like, how do I want to paint? Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. Um, But it was good. I, I worked on, an, on a variety of things, from, like, biopics to mm-hmm. things about the criminal justice system to climate change projects. Mm-hmm. So it was trying to do a breadth of things. And those and were all things you were quite purposefully being connected to... I guess things with, of conscience. I mean, one of, one of my the things I, I I care a lot about is is the environment. I care about people. Yeah, I care about personal stories. Like, um, and then obviously things with like a strong visuals. But I want to make a difference in the world in some way. Um, you think the poli sci major in the long run has actually been beneficial? Uh honestly, yeah. I think that you know you basically in a liberal arts degree you you learn to just think critically yeah you know, all the reading and writing and, and being curious about the world and political science had always interested me but then also the amount of people that i've worked with who have political science degrees is crazy the amount of directors and producers mm. directors especially i'm just like every, like every fourth person is like oh i have a degree in political science and i'm like oh, me too um yeah as you connect on that level but it was just it's just shapes the way you think about things the questions you ask i think so yeah um and like are there times i wish i had a 
cinematography degree or a film degree. Yeah. I think that like, even now, um, and not really, I would hope I think it has dissipated. Well, now I don't feel like it matters, but right out of college. Yeah. The connections you make are the biggest thing, right? If you go to a good program. um, Yeah. Yeah. But at this point in my career, it doesn't matter. I I think you've overcome that. Watch the old films now that I would have watched in a class. Exactly. but yeah, I I mean I'm I'm, ha- I'm very happy with how it's played out. Yeah, I, I would hope there's a lot of luck involved, but it's it's been yeah yeah. yeah. And what what from James Foley? What do you think the the next major pro- project that you did? Um, well, let's see. I mean, then I did I worked with Brian, the same director, and we did an episode of Abstract for Netflix, which was like a oh, cool yeah. show about designs. So they obviously wanted the which visuals. episode was that? So we did a show uh, an episode on Tinker Hatfield, is Nike's shoe designer. Okay, cool. And it was one of those things where, like, we really wanted to design our, our approach to shooting that. And yeah. Brian is a very visual director, mm-hmm. and he comes from a motion graphics background. So he has he kind of understands what will work and thinks very visually and communicates very well. Yeah. And as, like, a very close friend, we just had loads of conversations like, okay, well, this is about design. Let's design our approach. Mm-hmm. Let's make rules that we can and, you know, can't break. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, like, we were like, oh, let's make, like, something fun and give the camera movement all the time and light it in, like, a different way than this other stuff we've done. Right. So we did that, and that went um, really well. Like, it looked great. Um, you know, the production company was making it radical, was really happy with what we were doing. Yeah. And the client was happy. I was Netflix, and the subject was really stoked. Um, was it something, because cause I was obviously a part of a series, but it was a bit anthology. Antho- anthology based in the sense that obviously each episode but were you given um some sort of broad guidelines to make it feel cohesive to the whole i mean no each director has their own style which was really cool about that was every director can do their own thing like, it was like you're framing for anamorphic you know you're framing widescreen right um we're shooting on the epic which was not my choice but it was like you know what lenses do you want to use like do you we've got this many days of specialty gear budgeted like do you want to use a drone for those days? What do you want to use? And I was just like, you know, I think we should have like the, the, whatever the, the Maxima gimbal. I was like, yeah. it's brand new. And I was like, that's new. Let's shoot most of the stuff on that, you know, yeah. cause we couldn't afford it in steady cam operator. Every right. Day. Right. Um, and then, you know, figuring out like, Oh, if you want to do a car rig or whatever. Cause I think it, when it came out, they were billing it as like the, uh, like chef's table of design yeah. or whatever. But that obviously is way more cohesive in style from episode to episode where it sounds like in this you were given, you didn't... We had a pretty broad license to kind of make it each director's own thing. You know, they had yeah. chosen award-winning directors to do each episode. Right. So through that, I actually went on and did uh, a second episode. Yeah, with Chai, um, which is great. I met her on Was that. Was that how you met her? Yeah, it was the same, same producer, and they'd had someone else shoot a couple days. Cool. And then they were like, oh, it'd be great if you could come in and like finish up her episode. And we got along like amazingly. I well, think what, what, what did you notice in that first experience of working with Chai about, um, about working with her and her direction? Uh, well, she's, she's a collaborator. I mean, she has very mm-hmm. strong opinions mm-hmm. on, on things, especially the emotional beats and like, and, but she was willing to collaborate right away. Like how, like she'd be like, I want this to come across in the shot. Mm. How are you going to do that? That's great. Um, not everybody does that. That's yeah. awesome. And on, I mean, on like, I'd actually just, I've been doing a lot of skydiving at the time and I'd, Personally, yeah, I've, d- I've done about 600, 700 jumps, uh-huh. and I was I just tweaked my neck, I like hurt it, and like three days before, and I was kind of like, oh, well, I have a skydiving, and I can't really move my neck that much. Um, like I was still shooting handheld on her episode, which we hadn't done the other one. It was very much like a fo- more of a follow doc, and I remember mentioning that her being like, huh, like taking note, and I was like, uh oh, 
Anyway, so we, we collaborated really well. She's like got a great visual sense. She's like obviously her husband's a, a Jimmy Chin is an amazing photographer. Yeah. Know, with a great visual sense as well. Yeah. So she knows good visuals and like has opinions on him. Yeah. Right. also very focused on the emotion. Kind of after the first day was just like, so I, I was making, I was doing the right things. She would kind of let me do my thing. That's cool. And um, I think that also be, takes a certain type of person once they've clocked that you're handling yeah. things in a way that they like to let you set you free in a way well she's brilliant she's I'm super not smart by any of very this. Yeah. like intellectually intelligent but also like reads emotions very well like and it so comes she through like, in her work yeah, i mean gosh totally like was like okay like this work and then i think on day three she was like oh we're like doing this film and we should talk about it more let's like grab lunch next week in new york and you know you should oh. meet jimmy and i was like wow cool like, after three know, days yeah, and then she was like, "You might be the right kind of crazy to work with us." With you. <laughs> which I think she said. And I was like, "Oh, okay, cool." So talking um, about it actually helped. Yeah, and I was like, "Oh, interesting." And then the right know, kind of crazy. There. I enjoy that um, way of framing it. Yeah, for that film in particular. Well, um, if we're talking about free solo. Yeah, yeah. Um, so what did that so, um, that com- that first conversation about in New York? How was that? Um, you know, we just grabbed lunch and we we. Um, she kind of was like, "Oh, do you know like." Do you know who Alex Honnold is? And I'd rock climb for about four and a half years at that point. Um, like, for fun. Helpful, though. Yeah. Like, I was climbing decent. I was, I was a decent climber. Um, yeah. Still, I am decent. Um, well, I mean, you're also, I mean, your height is, how tall are you? 6'3". Yeah, that's um, helpful. Yeah. And, like, I was, you know, I, I do a lot of hiking. And uh-huh. I'm just, yeah. like, growing up in Maine. No, you're just, an athletic guy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, anyway, so we just went, and she just kind of told me what they were thinking. And I was like, oh, that's going to be amazing. Like, those are, you're going to shoot in some of the most beautiful places on earth, let alone in the, in the U S and Morocco and all these places. Yeah. And I was like, Oh, I'd definitely be interested, you know? And like the, uh, Jim film had just won the audience award at Sundance. So she, she was like, Oh, what's your feature doc experience? I was like, Oh, you know, I just shot a film that won the audience award at Sundance and their film Meru had won the audience award the year before. So it was Kismet. like, Oh yeah. It was yeah like, you're very much on their level. Yeah. And then, um, no, I think I'd, that's got to feel great, man. It was really good, yeah. And I'd just done one or two other HBO docs, too. With so the, like the Coonharts, right? Yeah, who are awesome. I was Before we dive into Free Solo, because I'm expecting yeah. to talk about that for a long time, I was curious about that relationship with the Coonharts and, and what that... Because uh, I guess a lot of their films were more in the, the James Foley style. And what was that like? Yeah, so they... Um, it's like a family business. They're like... Yeah. They're all, um, and they do a lot of work with HBO, they do some stuff with PBS, but yeah. um, they had executive produced and put up the money for James Foley before it was bought. Um, I see. For Brian. Right. Um, and just knew it was an important thing. That's cool. Um, and are, are very supportive. I've been very supportive throughout my career as well, actually. It, it, it would um, seem like it. I mean, you've done a lot of stuff with them. It's yeah. And we became, I mean, I've become close friends with Peter and George and Teddy, and mm-hmm. they're all just, you know, they, they trust me and my aesthetics, which has been great. They give me license to design the look of everything we've done, basically. That's such a joy. Like, yeah. They me. might send me references, but then I'll be like, oh, here's what I think. Yeah. And it's always like a collaboration and a communication. Well, I mean, to have that type of relationship, not just with individuals, but a production company is um, special. Yeah. They've been super supportive. Yeah. And I mean, they always, they do quality content. You yeah. know, it's, it's a lot of their stuff is in the same vein and some of their newer things, which is interesting, they wanted to, oh, let's break out. Let's do something that's more cinema verite and mm-hmm. more ongoing. Mm-hmm. But when you're shooting a doc about a past event, you know, there's certain rules at work yeah. and certain things aren't. So it's like, they just want to keep elevating the visuals. Like, can we make these interviews better when we shoot? Well, or that's the challenge of that genre. Yep. Otherwise, it can fall very easily into these classic, boring 
yeah. vis- visually. I mean, the totally. story, like, obviously the story is not, and what's well, the characters, what happened to them is not. But You don't want to watch a podcast, you know? So it's like, make it interesting. Quote, yeah. Like, I know we're doing a podcast. <laughs> no, 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 but no, no, like, no, no. You don't want to watch this. I'm listening, you wanna, I'm, I'm going to listen to this yeah. somewhere. I'm assuming someone right now is like on a jog. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah or like, I'm in my car in traffic. Yeah. Going yeah. to a job Hi, or something. You're you know? stuck on the 405. Hi. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> but like when I'm watching something, I want, even if it's just most of the interviews, I want, I want them to look interesting. I want to look nice. I want to like have frames that say something. I want the environment yeah. of the shooting to say something about totally. the character and the story. Yeah. So that was kind of something that I really honed while working with them. And it was... It's nice that they're aware of it too. Mm -hmm. And that's obviously why they're winning awards in this genre because I think anybody who just falls into the... In this neck of the woods of Mm -hmm. the talking head archival stuff, if you rest on your laurels in that world, I mean, it's just not... You'll be left You're not going to be generating anything worth watching visually. But also, if you look at the work they've done, a lot of it has like a social conscience. And oh, like for sure. And it's like, you know, we just did this film on Brian Stevenson, who's one of the like most important people in America today, in my opinion, you know, with the Equal Justice Initi- Initiative. Oh, cool. Yeah. And the um, Peace and Justice Memorial. That they just opened up down in Montgomery. He's like, oh, he was a part of that. Yeah. He, is, that that with the, is that with the, the, the lynching? Yeah. That's the, that whole memorial. memorial and museum wow. is, was through the Equal Justice Initiative, which is a foundation that he started. Wow. Um, so, you know, it's, a lot of their stuff has a social cause. And as mm-hmm. someone myself that kind of wants to work on projects that feel like they make a difference or matter. Yeah. It's been, you know, there are things do kind of meet that metric. 100%. So, I mean, I think time after time with them. Yeah. And it's cool. And also just to be friends, like we'll hang out socially. Like, well, know, that's the kind of nice. the best part of the, they're good people. Yeah. Which matters. And I don't think you're making good work with people that you're having a poor relationship with. It I, comes I, through. I don't see, yeah, I, I don't, maybe once or twice, but like in terms of the longevity, because it does seem too that the thing that I've noticed just reflecting on your, like the resume is that you, the continual work mm-hmm. with people, um, that, where do you think that, why is that happening? Uh, it's hard to say. I mean, I work a lot. Once I work with someone, I tend to get asked to work with them yeah. more, which is great. Yeah. Um, and it's interesting because you just build on, on the initial relationship. You're you know? putting in the work in between jobs to just continually hang out I mean, and yeah, foster. Yeah, I guess we're friends. But I think the work generally, the experience of working together is usually, King. in my career, has been, always been positive. Yeah, you know, yeah. I haven't had an experience where I've been like, either of us has been like, oh, well, that didn't work. Um, yeah. And I think it's about, it's about being empathic. It's about not trying to steamroll a director mm-hmm. um, and, you know, and also sticking up for yourself if someone's trying to steamroll you. Mm-hmm. You know, you're brought on for, for a specific reason as a DP and mm-hmm. it's like, well, you hired me for a reason, let me do it. Right. You know, make it a, make it a conversation. You've had moments where you felt like you were getting steamrolled but you managed to talk through that experience where it didn't ruin the relationship? Totally. And usually it's not coming from a director. Sometimes it's coming from an executive producer or mm. it's coming from a, from an agency type. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like, you know, maybe we whisper to the director or if it is coming from the director, it's just like having a conversation in a human way as an adult. You know, you don't never get worked up. Like I will never get worked up on set. Um, I think it's about like just, hey, let's have a I think that's the key. This. That seems to me to be the answer yeah. to the question. Really. Be, I'm, I'm like overly logical sometimes. Overly? Um, yeah. Why? Like, that, to, to the point of a fault? Or? Um, well, I hope not. But I hope, it's yeah. like, uh, I'm, I guess I I'm just asking because you said is, overly. Is, yeah, well, I mean, I, I guess I've had people have date say it's overly logical. Gotcha. Um, <laughs> That's um, a different ball of wax. Yeah. Um, 
but you know, I'll just be like, okay, logically, here's how this should work and break it down. And mm-hmm. people tend to listen to that pretty well. Yes. Yes. Um, yeah. Well, cause you're, you're also trying to speak about it objectively. It's not because yeah. you emotionally want it this way. Yeah. And it's not because it's my idea. And I can generally relate like the emotion of the film or of that scene mm-hmm. to how I want my approach. Yeah. And when you make that point, people tend to listen if it makes sense. Right. Like obviously money gets in the way. Some men are like, well, that's just too expensive. And then it's like, okay, well, let's brainstorm on a different way yeah. to get the scene to achieve the same look. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's, it's not hard to just, uh, anyway, for me to just kind of like try and make the case, but doing it in an adult professional way, understanding all the points from the various actors. Yeah. No, no, no. That's great. That's great. Um, and so then now let's get back to this New York meeting with Chai. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, so then we, yeah, we just had a lunch, talked about it and she was like, Oh, you should meet Jimmy. And um, they, I think they'd already shot like two weeks on the project and had taken a break. Only two weeks, though. Or That's I don't not know a it, lot, considering yeah, I'm sure it was, it was years. Less than a month or something like that. But gotcha. they'd, they'd shot a number of days, but not a huge amount. With a, and they didn't have a lead DP. Um, they were working with with Bob Richmond, who's who is also like a bit of a mentor to me, who's mm-hmm. awesome. Oh, that's good. And um, they wanted basically they were like, oh, we're going to go to Morocco uh, for this next shoot, and like, you know, why don't you meet up with Jimmy and and see if you guys get along and. Was there, um, especially with Jimmy, I guess when a director has that level of visual understanding, and also Jimmy just seems like just an absolute force of nature uh, in a good way, but was there any um, intimidation going into it? Not really. No? Honestly, cool. he's, he's got an amazing attitude. Yeah. Like, he knows what he knows. He knows what he doesn't know. Mm-hmm. Like, um, he collaborates. Like, he is... Uh, He's really unique in a lot of ways. But mm-hmm. I mean, his longtime assi- photographer's assistant on the first shoot they did snagged a bunch of shots that Nat Geo ended up publishing. Instead of Jimmy just being like, oh, that's mine or whatever. He was like, oh, no, that's that's Mikey's. Like, those are Mikey's photos. You need to credit him. Like, he should get paid for those. Like, you know, he's just very, he's got a code. He comes across as the most solid dude there is. Yeah, he's got a code and he and he sticks by it. Yeah. Um, and it's it's done him very well. Really nice. Yeah, I mean, it's, I think he, you know, I can't put words in his mouth, but. He he entered the industry through a love of of mountain climbing and like taking yeah. expeditions, yeah, and you know living the dirtbag life. And yeah, so I think that you know there wasn't any like there's a certain ethos with yeah, that. There, yeah, exactly. There wasn't like a social climbing thing. It was just like his hard work has got him where he is. Totally, totally. And he resp- respects and appreciates that in other people. Yeah. What What were the first conversations with him like about the project and trying to get your like, I guess, what do you talk about in that first moment? Like, is it referential? Is it, is it in terms of like what, it, what it's trying to be like visually? Like what, it, what were the conversations? I mean, we definitely talked a lot about stuff. We talked about their last film, Meru. We talked about, um, Alex's person. We talked a lot about emotions and like what this first shoot was going to try and get across. And in Morocco the was the first yeah. shoot for you. Yeah. And what, what was important to get across and what it was going to be like. And we talked a lot about the physical nature of it. Sure. And because everyone else on the crew is basically professional athlete and professional mountaineers, yeah. and um, except for me, and so Chai had been told me like, "Oh, like don't feel the need to keep up. They're all professional athletes." So of course I was like, "Oh, I'll start training." I started like running and climbing a lot more and hiking every few day before we went. I mean, I I feel um, like that's you needed to. Yeah. I mean, I, I can't see that working sure. if you didn't. I mean, we were going five to ten miles yeah. each day with thirty pounds of camera gear, maybe four thousand vertical feet, yeah. five thousand at a decent altitude in the mountains and then trying to shoot and not die. Well, that's um, the other thing. It's like, you know, it's not just the work of it. it, it it's funny on, on a lot of those like mountain climbing shoots. Sometimes I think the person being filmed is doing the least amount of work. 
uh, at certain moments. At certain right. moments. At yeah. certain moments. Um, Obviously, you might be doing things to make the climbing easier because you're not caring about the purity of your climb yeah, or whatever. Exactly. But um, you know. Um, yeah. No, but to answer your question, the first conversation was just we talked a bit about emotion. We talked a lot about Alex and what he's like. Yeah. And so I could think about how to shoot it because it's a ver- cinema verite film. I mean, it's like yeah, yeah. it's real moments unfolding, and covering that. Um, it what wasn't. What were a long you thinking about meeting, in that but, regard? Um, in in terms of like, I guess in the same way that we discussed um, some some of the like the details of your approach for those emotional interviews with um, someone that is as emotionally complicated as Alex was, and you were trying to be a fly on a wall, but you're also six foot three with a camera on your shoulder. Um, you're not a fly on the wall, but you became that. Like, what is your, how are you, what are the things that you think you're doing to do, um, to do that? Well, the, the big thing is empathy and patience. You've got to be empathic if you're going to tell a documentary story. You've mm-hmm. got to be able to tap into people's emotions mm-hmm. and they're exactly what's going on in that moment. But you also have to be really patient and not try and, force things like you don't always need to be talking you don't need you should always be listening and sometimes you want to prompt someone but it depends on the subject you know and the film as and the, how many shooting days you have as um, the operator you were you would prompt at times at times as a dp i will definitely prompt people with questions mm-hmm. if it's like especially there's moments where there isn't a director with you when you're shooting a documentary. for sure i guess when there is um, do you feel less inclined because the director will do it if they want depends on my relationship with the director gotcha but usually it's like following up with the director or if something really strikes me that i'm seeing in the frame and I'm like, I, I want to hear about that. And this is happening now. And this will make sense in context. Mm-hmm. You know, about mm-hmm. them. Um, but it's really, empathy is the biggest thing. Like tapping into what people are, are feeling in that moment. And uh, with, with Resolo, we shot for like two and a half years. So I knew we had time to like make the story. And you listen to everything that's happening. So you can put the pieces together. Like, well, these visuals I'm capturing now, even if it's a day or two later, will this tie into another story we've shot? So you're... Yeah, and that's interesting too. Like knowing that you're on a two and a half, knowing that you're on a very long journey, Mm -hmm. the amount of, because like when you're on maybe even like a a more corporate documentary, it's like I got three days. Yeah, like you know that you got to like. There's a real pressure that the whole story has to happen within these three days, otherwise you you didn't get it. Bang out! You have this this checklist that you have to bang out on a short shoot. Yeah, versus something like free solo, you make a catalog. It's kind of interesting because I almost don't even at that level of time. It's like there's less importance on like so much isn't writing necessarily on any given day and like how you then determine what to care about or fight for on any given day is interesting because I think that it changes. Well, you generally know what's feeling important. Mm -hmm. You know, there's, there's, if you're listening as you should be on a Mm -hmm. documentary, Mm -hmm. you kind of know what are important beats. If you've had enough discussion, excuse me, with the director ahead of time, yeah, um, you kind of know what the emotional beats are, right? And a lot of that comes from from knowing the person, listening to them a lot. Mm-hmm. But as you're going, you're you're just cataloging what you've got and what these points might be. And I would talk with Jimmy and Chai like most evenings and just be like, I was gonna say, how often are you were you cataloging like with them? And um, like daily? I would break down almost daily, mm-hmm. um, and just like here's what I think was important here, and they'd be like, okay, here's you know, if we're going to shoot him doing this tomorrow, like we kind of know what his itinerary is going to be like, this might be important. These might be beats. And if something unexpected came up, I'd be like, here's what I thought was really cool. You know, um, now on a shoe like this, that has so many other operators. How often are, is that conversation between the three of you also between like the eight of you? Um, well for the Verity stuff, it was pretty much me shooting it. Gotcha. Um, so sometimes I bring in a second camera, mm-hmm. um, which used to be Mikey, sometimes Shane mm-hmm. who are just, 
mostly climbing guys. Right. And so they're like high angle specialists and that's the world they come from as professional climbers who happen to shoot. Whereas I came at it from a cinematographer who happens to climb and right. that, that's my experience. So yeah. I was kind of brought in to help with the storytelling elements and like anything we lit or the stabilized footage. Sure, or like sure. Do the whole, th- the whole look of the film. Yeah. So for the most part, it was, I was just having those conversations. Um, and then when we were doing the big days with climbs involved as well, it would be like a bigger conversation. It would be me, Jimmy, and Mikey. Because mm-hmm. um, Jimmy and Mikey split the high angle shooting duties. Right. Um, and then we talk about how we fit everything in, how we cover the entire day. And then we'd talk about, you know, the best way to cover even stuff on the wall. Like, is it a wide lens close up? Is it a long lens backed off? What's going to feel right? And then, you know, we'd all kind of chime in on it. Yeah. And then leading up to, I guess there, there were like two main things, obviously the relationship that Alex has with his girlfriend, mm-hmm. um, and being, cause that's one level deeper of emotional fly mm-hmm. on the wall. Especially, it's one thing to like capture Alex in moments of honesty with himself, mm-hmm. and it's another to capture two people that are trying to be intimate. Um, what, it, anything change or anything to add? Um, well, I mean, Alex and I became good friends throughout the process of making this, which, which yeah. was helpful. And um, key, I, I, it would be a problem if that didn't foster. Well, for sure. And just having the, the ability to spend time, enough time to make this film. Because yeah. um, he wasn't in a relationship when we started the film. That's that plays out in real time. He he was in a relationship on film throughout the making of the film, right? And it didn't torpedo the relationship, which is great because she's like a wonderful person yeah. and provides a lot of emotional depth to, to the story and to him. And it's I think it's so him. important to the film and you know, to, yeah, and I him as know. a person. Well, of, um, well, yeah. I mean, that but goes yeah, without to saying. The film for sure, she <laughs> provides the stakes, you know, in a lot of ways. Yeah, I, I don't know um, if if the film is the. F- I mean, it's not the same film no. without it because it's not a climbing film. It's you know, it's a documentary. It's a character study. It's a lot of things. It's a portrait. Um, yeah. And it, I don't think it would be so successful. If it was just a climbing film. Yeah. Um, so, I don't know. It's just like spending enough time and not forcing yourself in. So a lot of times, you're, I'm six foot three in a van with two people, and they're having a conversation. And yeah. it's like, how do you make yourself invisible? Yeah, it's not. I don't gonna- know. At a certain point, though, I remember filming a, I can't remember what it was, it was a difficult conversation between them. And I was like, talking with Alex later in the day, I was like, oh man, I'm like, I hope that wasn't weird. And he was like, I forgot you were there. And there was all the, there was moments like that all the time. Um, well, there's also the aspect of when you're doing it for so long, mm-hmm. it becomes natural. Like if you were there and it was like day three, yeah. he would have felt you, but totally. it was day 250. And there, the thing is, there was plenty of days where we didn't shoot or we might shoot an hour or I'd have the camera, but I was just, just still kind of a constant. Like I was pretty much living with them mm-hmm. and you know, they didn't see a lot of people from the crew most of the time because we didn't want the pressure of like, there's all these people waiting around for you or, you know, there's lots of rules about like protecting his headspace and letting him just like do things on his program. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was just like co- being constant too was what, helpful. What were those rules? Well, you can never ask if he's going to climb or when. Like you can't bring up, bring that up because you don't want the observer effect to, to impact it. Like him to feel, oh, I've got to perform for the camera. Like if he didn't climb, we still would have made a film. If he didn't try. It would have been about him not doing it. Yeah. It would have been about someone falling off, you know, trying to achieve a dream. Yeah. It would have been about persistence and other things, you know, but it would have been a very different film. But like the rule number one is like, do not talk about him free soloing that. Yeah. Like don't ask if or when. Yeah. So it was just kind of like, we're hanging out, um, you know, and that was, that was definitely a big rule. Um, that's probably like the number one rule. Uh, yeah. The, the number one rule of, of, uh, yeah. free solo was don't talk about free solo. <laughs> exactly. It's a fight club. <laughs> yeah. 100%. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, so obviously the, I think the two, the two big things is, is capturing that intimate relationship between them. 
and then obviously the climb. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's well documented. New York Times did a nice 10 minute piece about it. Just the ethics of filming. I shot a lot of that piece. I'm not surprised. Yeah. Good job. It was awesome. Um, that talks about this conversation a lot, but I was interested to talk about it with you now. Just the ethics of that type of question and, 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 you know, potential result. Well, I think that rule kind of says what it needs to say is like, it does. Yeah. We don't want to impact someone's headspace. Um, right. and I know that Jimmy and Chai wrestled with that a lot, like whether to even make the film. Yeah. They took once, once Alex like, Oh, if you're gonna make a film about me, it should be about this. Cause this is so rad. Mm. They took like uh, at least six months and we're kind of like, I don't like, cause if you climb, you know what free soloing El Cap is and, and how dangerous and crazy physically that is. Yeah. And I think they were like, I don't know if we can be a party to something like this if it goes sideways. Um, and then the, I think, Cause not, yeah. I've heard Jimmy say, I think it was, I can't remember who he talked to. I think he was, anyway, someone asked him, will Alex do this if you're not there? And the answer comes out is, yeah, he's going to try it. It's, just, it's like a life goal. Then it's like, okay, if we're there, if we're prepared to help him and to document it, like, okay. But that was like where that rule was born. Don't ask him, don't make him feel that he needs to do it for us. Right. Um, so ethically, yeah, it's like what you don't want to be the cause mm-hmm. or even like feel like you're a cause mm-hmm. if he was to die. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I mean, but there, a lot of the relationship in this film is about trust between the filmmakers and the subject and the subject and the filmmakers. Like we trust he's going to make the right decisions. Yeah. Um, and when he backs off that first time in the climb, that was a big moment. We we're like, wow, he, he didn't feel like he needed to continue. You know, we can trust him to make these right decisions. Right. For you, because obviously Jimmy and China know Alex more personally than you mm-hmm. did, but you're thinking about signing up for this job, and it's like, were you, did it give you pause at all that you're like, I might be, like, was it, was it, was it something that you, that you gave pause in terms of determining to do it? Um, you know, I trusted their, their decision making. They knew him well. Mm-hmm. We certainly did talk that, like, talk about that a little bit. Yeah. Um, for me, I was like, I think this is going to be historic. Like, I don't mm-hmm. know him well enough to be like, he's going to make the right decisions, you know, because you've got like the media take on him and people are like, oh, this is like crazy stuff to do. But he's an in- intensely logical, oh, yeah. brilliant, like, you know, the guy's a genius. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. You know, in real life. So um, I trusted them as filmmakers. Right. Um, and then going in, there was definitely moments like where you first see him soloing something in Morocco, like a 3,000 foot wall that's insanely hard to climb yeah i'm just like whoa like you know it gives you pause for sure because oh like, yeah so once you step, saw it there yeah it, that, that was it got very real um what was that thought process like maybe even that night or like after the fact but you were like reflecting what were you um, reflecting on i mean i was just glad it turned out okay right but he seemed to feel so casual about it at the end that i was like okay like this is easy for him in some way you know mm. he he's not Alex wants to live. Like he, he if there's a 99.9% chance he feels he's going to do it, he'll probably do it. Um, so a lot of it was just like talking to him about it and kind of like getting his take on it. Mm. Um, that makes after sense. The, after the fact, and he'd be like, oh, you know, because we'd be shooting. and be like, oh, and he'd be like, oh, that felt like really easy. That felt great. Or like, oh, there's like, that was, I could prepare better. And so when you're shooting it, you're looking through a viewfinder and I'm just studying the frame. Is this frame the best it can be? So it's not like I'm really there. Right. And if I take my head away from the viewfinder, there's moments where you're like, holy shit, yeah. like this is what I'm seeing. Yeah. And that'll happen in any genre of Yeah, of I, I've work. experienced but that heavy. Yeah. It's a nice insulation. But then when you reflect on it yeah. later in the day, that's when it kind of hits you. Right. Um, 
you know, it, it would give me, it definitely gave me anxiety. <laughs> you're, like, you're human. Yeah. And you're kind of like, oh. but also being really physically tired those days from running around the mountain shooting was helpful because I could actually sleep. But, um, it was intense at first, especially the first couple of things we shot where he was doing that were yeah. really intense. Outside of obviously, once he made it, you knew you had a, an, a historic film on your hands. But before that moment, were there any moments during the, during the filming that wasn't the climb that you felt something happened or you started to see the pieces come together where you like realized the, the level of quality of the film you were making? Um, I, I mean, from the get go, it was, mm-hmm. it was, we want this to look awesome. We want the film to be great. We will devote the resources we need to, to do it. Mm-hmm. So as you know, what do you need to make this look good? You know, right. I was like, Oh, like Canon was like, Oh, we'll give you guys a bunch of cameras. And I personally was like, I want to shoot an Alexa mini. If I'm shooting in this, in these environments where I can't control the light as much, yeah. you know, I wanted, I was like, okay, well, we'll get you that. Like we had 50 something lenses at our disposal. Um, you know, we had the resources devoted, which was, which was great. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was, there was always, um, like the visuals mattered always, you know? Yeah. Um, so there was lots of discussion. Like, do you need to light the van? Do you want to install LEDs? Do you want to, a number of things. Um, so I knew that they wanted like a good visual product mm-hmm. from the get go. Mm-hmm. And anytime there was a discussion, I was like, oh, I think that we shouldn't do this because it's not going to look good. Mm-hmm. If it was like really important that like we not interrupt, interrupt Alex's, um, you know, flow or state or, or whatever it may be. It was like, oh, well, we still got to do it, but let's find the best way. Let's park the van a different way so the sunlight coming in looks good, you know, or, you know, little things that he might not notice that I could do. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, that being, it's a documentary. It's it's all real. Like yeah. everything there is real and not staged. Yeah. So it was about like finding the moments like, okay, well, if we're going to interview him, let's, let's wait till this time of day. Right, you know? right, um, right, right. But from the get-go, I knew that it was going to be like a very like strong visuals throughout the film. And cool. that was, that was one of the, um, you know, that was one of the mandates, I guess. Sure. Yeah. Um, and then to talk about the actual climb, what was, um, I know that, you know, different people were stationed around different places and there was a lot of discussion prior about, you know, what, for any given moment, what the right angle would be for you in particular, what was your day like for that? Um, so let's see, I'll back it up a little bit. I mean, we'd, had lots of we'd have two years of, of kind of dry runs so we mm, and true. jimmy and mikey have spent 20 years climbing all caps they right. had ideas of the best places to shoot sure. and with a limited number of people to cover cover three thousand feet of climbing yeah it's kind of like how do you do this so we had a lot of talks about again about lensing and like who should shoot which section and what were people's strengths mm-hmm. and can you shoot this section and then move and get to another section mm-hmm. so we sat down we did a lot of talking about He's okay maybe so fast moving really fast and so about like what lenses should be and how do you not get the next person's shot? So the whole thing, we choreographed the camera work a lot. I'm sure. There are certain areas where we had special cameras built by Nat Geo that, um, you know, so you couldn't, you wouldn't have an operator in a spot where it would be an Alex's eye line. Mm-hmm. So we did a lot of planning on that, um, ahead of time. Mm-hmm. And then on the, on the day, yeah, I, I got up with Alex and we went to the base and got him starting the climb. And my mind is going to be this really intense moment where he's going to be all focused and like, like a ninja, you know, like yeah. getting, getting ready and, 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 you know, we go there and he's kind of like, oh, hey, man, like, how's it going? And like, he's like, oh, will you take my bag up to the top for me? And he like stuffs a, a red pepper into one of his shoes and an <laughs> apple in the other one. And I'm like, cool. Yeah, man. And then we're like, you know, I just shoot him getting ready, gearing up. And he like puts on some music and just like, he's like, oh, I'll see you up there. And like, well, takes if, off. if you think about it, like 
it's got to be that way. Yeah. No. And in it order was for a it to, and yeah, exactly. Like it, it's a pro, it's problematic if he's acting different. Totally. And but in my mind, it was like, oh, these visuals are gonna be like really this this like moment, you yeah, know? Yeah. It's gonna be this punctuation in the it film. It would be if it was a narrative. Yeah. But totally. it's real life, and it's and, uh, him being somewhat chill about it. And it was light, and it was nice, and um, you know, it's a beautiful morning. Then, like five minutes later, I'm like filming, looking up as he kind of goes out of sight, and these other climbers come, like playing heavy metal on their phone. And they all look up and they're like, "Oh, he's doing it!" And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like "Yep." Oh, but also, please don't post anything anywhere on social media about this. We don't want like a crowd. We don't want him to like feel that he's being watched. And they were like, "Well, of course, super respectful." Well, yeah, yeah, the climbing community, yeah. I think, knows what's up. Yeah, it was an open secret that he's not sport repelling all cap for fun, you know, prepping. So, you know, because he'd been working the hard An open secret about it being a in, doc in the valley about people a film. People knew that he was probably going to free solo all cap. Like, oh, I see. In Yosemite. Gotcha. Like, people who climb are kind of like, why else are you going to go spend like months working the hard sections on this route? That makes sense. Um, so, people were pretty respectful on the day. Yeah. And then it was like, I have to beat him to the top, shoot him topping out, and get those moments. So then it was like, I was like in the sprint basically to try and beat him to the top to capture those moments. And how, how, what was your route to get up there? So like, how like, long does that take? Um, were you so, in a car driving a path or were you like hoofing it? Uh, well, it, it's a bit of everything. Um, <laughs> it makes sense. It's from the base to the road is about 15, 20 minutes. So pack up the camera, run to the road, then a van, you, there's a one way loop. Then you're in a van for 15 minutes to go to, um, this area known as the East Ledges, which is, um, the eastern side of kind of a nose on El Cap. Right. And there is, you hike for about 40 minutes, then there's fixed lines going up 800 to 1,000 feet, and you use rope ascenders to go up those fixed lines because they're vertical, upper rock. Face. There's no way to get up there besides well, you doing You can hike that. around the backside, but I think it's eight miles. So that's That wasn't an option. Yeah, and it's uphill. Yeah. So basically you hike uphill for 40 minutes, then you use rope ascenders, and you go up these ropes, and you go pretty much anaerobic, and then you hike another 40 minutes up top on this like steep, slab rock did you cut it close um i'd be i thought i was gonna have much more time like our close our projection was that he was gonna be an hour slower than he was oh um, really but i only so i beat him by like 40 45 minutes um, okay but it wasn't you know, like you it wasn't close you no. weren't you weren't doing this whole um switch from bottom to top like in peril wondering if you were gonna make it uh, there were moments where i wondered yeah oh really because like my knowledge of the geography of el cap is not as good as the other folks on it you know uh, like for obvious reasons yeah yeah and so i'd be hearing oh he's at this thing he's well ahead and i'm like oh and i'm like you know jugging up these ropes with the senders on with a backpack yeah and i'm midway through and i'm just like breathing the hardest i've ever breathed like dripping sweat and i'm like if he beats me to the top this is gonna be the most embarrassing thing also just not good for the film but um uh, yeah so i'm just like working as fast as i can and then when i got up there i was like okay like you're good you know so one of the rigors is, is like okay you've got about probably 30 40 minutes so i put the camera together you know drank water got ready and then just like figured out took a breath <laughs> yeah what time of day it is like okay i'd already figured out how i wanted to shoot it but then it's like you know if he's ahead of time the sun's maybe over here so right what's well, a good way to Any like cover changes. this um once he makes it up i mean I just got to believe the euphoria for everyone, especially it's been two and a half years for everyone. Mm -hmm. Um, What was it like to have to document that while also I would imagine like geeking out that it happened and, uh, you know, it's interesting. You you don't ever really want to break the fourth wall or, um, he does in the film, which is like, I'm gives me a high five. And I was just like the, 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 I don't know if I've ever felt, Emotions that strong while shooting because it was it this was relief it was happiness like it was contagious I'd never seen him that happy right like he a- outwardly yeah and he one of the things he said he was like I had the experience I wanted like yeah. we didn't change his experience yeah um, 
and just seeing how relieved and happy Jimmy was. And it was just like this moment where you were just like, oh my God, this is so cool. And I think, you know, the camera works a little lighter then and it's like, it's just real. But I think it was honestly perfect for that moment. It worked. Um, it, no, was, it, it was part of the celebration. I'm so happy with how, how that, you, you know, I be. saw, um, yeah, Bob Richmond after, the, after uh, one of the screenings, he was like, you shot the top perfectly. And I was like, Thank you, Bob. That means so much as someone that I've looked up to and worked with for That's years. That's awesome. You know? um, and yeah, and then it was obviously, he was like, okay, I'm going to go down, like, really soon. And I was like, I look at Jimmy, I'm like, well, I'm going with him. Like, just grabbed my camera and, like, went and, you know, got that amazing conversation, which is, like, if you hadn't filmed that, him saying, I'm so delighted, would have been kind of, like, not as good an ending. Yeah. But then when he actually tells his girlfriend he loves her, which he hasn't said before, you're, I'm kind of like... Uh, and you know that because yeah, you, you're, sure, you're, you're like you're like the third wheel of this relationship. And I'm like, oh my god, I can't wait to tell Chai when we get down. Right, I get down. I'm like, he said he loved her, and yeah. she's like, oh, very good. You yeah, know, like it was it was a. I mean, and it wrapped it up in a bow. Yeah, and it's like he sits down for the conversation in this amazing backdrop with half dome behind him. Like, yeah. it's just like I was like, this is great. Yeah, yeah. sit here, please. Yeah, like you could cry if you want. Yeah. You know, like, <laughs> Um, it, it cool. all lined up. Yeah, no, that's amazing. Great story. That's awesome. Um, at what, once it goes into post, was there a moment watching cuts or something where you, everyone started to think that Oscars were a potential reality? Like, when does that start to come into, like, the, into when, your thoughts? When I saw the fine cut, I was like, this is a really good film. Um, you know, it went through a lot of iterations. It oh, was a I'm long sure. process. And I'm Bob sure. Edder is a, is a Two master. Two and a half years He's amazing. of like, material. Yeah, we had uh, almost 800 hours of footage. So, crazy. And the editor watched every minute. I'm sure he did. Um, he's a master. But, you know, when, it could have been so many different films. It could have been cut with, like, yeah. the climb throughout the film. It could have been and like, cut to real life throughout. Mm-hmm. So they had to, like, find his voice. And Chai and Jimmy and Bob, the editor, did an amazing job. Um, you know, it took basically... Like it start getting awards for me to be like, wait, this could like go all the way. Um, you know, we premiered at Telluride from the first screening to the last. They added two extra screenings. Like it would there, which was a perfect festival a for it to like premiere at because you're in the mountains. Yeah. Um, but it was the reaction was insane. Yeah. And then it went to TIFF and it won. You know what it, I think was the audience award there. And suddenly you're like, oh, you know, like this this could be a thing. Yeah. Because that's a that's a big festival. It, um, yeah, one of the biggest. And then you know we started winning like craft awards at various things like mm-hmm. Critics Choice mm-hmm. and you know all these things. And it was like, oh, well, this is like good. I still didn't. Was there ever a moment when it. people like um, either running the PR or marketing at NetGeo or like when did someone when did people start having the real conversation? With your team that like, you know, Oscars is like in play. I don't know. Uh, okay. I'm not super privy to that stuff. Gotcha, but, gotcha. Um, they ran an incredible campaign. I know that. They sure like, did. Nat Geo really got behind no, it. No, they went full out. And I think, you know, Cynic Marketing and all the folks that were that were doing it really. And like Chai is very dialed in. Like I said, she is she's brilliant. Like she she understands all that stuff. And Jimmy too. Jimmy was like, this should be rolled out this way. This is how the social push should go. Like the whole team there, like from Nat Geo to Sinatic to Jimmy and Chai and mm-hmm. everyone working with them really did a great campaign as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, it was all led by like the public reaction, like the way people it was reacted led to by film a good was film. awesome. It was led by a good film. You, you know, know, at a certain point they're like, oh, this is going to go to IMAX now. And they're like, the head of, I think it was like the head of IMAX wants, wants this thing out there. And we're like, 
So then it's like, oh, we got to do another color pass. Oh, we've got to change stuff. And it was like, Interesting. we didn't shoot an IMAX. So it was yeah, like, yeah, yeah. we got to IMAXimize this film somehow. Yeah. And that was crazy. Yeah. So suddenly you're like, people are responding. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it was in theaters for, I don't know, 30 something weeks. Yeah. It was crazy. Yeah. No, it was awesome. Um, when the nomination comes out, what is that news? What is hearing that news like for you? Um, I mean, the short list was, was pretty cool. And then when we got nominated, I mean, I don't, where, where was I? Jimmy and Chai, Chai invited me over to their apartment to like watch the, the nomination announcement. But I was, I think I was somewhere shooting. I believe that like one of them texted me. That's perfect. And I was like, whoa. On set like, shooting and then you get so that. This is so cool. That's... And of course I was like, can I, can I go? And they're like, yeah, of course. Um, so yeah, no, it was like, it's, it was surreal. And being there? Ah, it was awesome. You know, I was what, really. What's gl- what's like red carpet like? What's sitting through the thing like? Just well, you go through a separate red carpet if you're if you know you're you're not talent. So there's two red carpets. So that you, makes you sense. Go on your, you go on your your separate one. Um, you're not no, talent. I mean, come on. I'm a certain type, but uh, <laughs> it depends who you ask. I guess. Yeah, sure. Uh, no, it was just an amazing experience. Just being there. The, it's such a production. It's so tightly run. It's yeah. really cool to see that. Yeah, sure. And then just like you know, I'm talking to him. Like beforehand, you're just down having a drink or having food, and I'm like talking to Matt Libatique and I'm like, Oh dude, I like, good luck. I loved your work, you know, on a star is born. And he's like, Oh cool. Like, what's your name? I'm like, you know, I, I shot free solo. And he's like, I loved it. Like, good luck. I'm hoping you guys win. And I'm like, well, that's cool. You know, or those like, have got to be so surreal. Yeah. Or like uh, plenty of other like DPs. You're like, Oh, hey, it's like, it's cool. Um, and then I was really glad we were the second, uh, announcement. So you don't it, have to sit there and yeah. how, what was the anxiety like? What, what was, or maybe it's not anxiety. What was the emotion like? Um, pre, pre-award you know I, I i was definitely anxious yeah but it was one thing where it just it felt surreal and then the announcement happened so fast and something was like we just won like i stood up and it was just like really i mean it was, it was an amazing moment it was super cool it was yeah. very surreal mm-hmm. i felt like you're watching yourself in a way interesting um yeah i was glad it happened so fast i didn't have a ton of time to contemplate it sure um, and then the whole the rest of the award show, you're just like, oh, this is super cool. Yeah, like, now I mean, what are it's we a, doing later? now it's um, your party. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and then you're like, oh, I can have a drink, I guess. Um, yeah, totally. Um, yeah. You wake up the next morning. Yeah, that's all happened. <clears throat> um, how do you view your, what, if any, and maybe the answer is that it doesn't. How are you viewing your career? How are you viewing where you want to go, what you want to do? Uh, ostensibly more opportunities are going to open because of it. Mm-hmm. Like that next morning when you wake up and you're having coffee and like you're taking in, well, what is the rest of the road now? What were those? What, what were you thinking? Yeah. I didn't really have time to reflect on it. Um, Maybe for right the best. Then, I literally got on a, sh- a plane the next day up to Jasper, Alberta to shoot a travel Canada commercial. Um, <laughs> so I was literally going to, to the mountains. It's kind of perfect. Now. Yeah. It was like skinning up a, you know, thousand meters up some peaks to you know what this is this is this is my my question is uh you trying to thinking that the 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 moment before he climbs el cap is going to be this narrative thing and then i'm my question is you're like actually no i have to wake up early to catch a flight yeah i was like it was pretty hazy the next morning too to be honest but um, i would hope but uh i think it took me a while to start thinking about that Mm -hmm. and you know i've just been way more proactive about my career since like i have been yeah i've been doing a lot more commercial work and a lot of those offers came through that for sure Mm -hmm. um which has been really nice. Um, I've been way more selective with the docs I'm doing. I'm kind of only choosing ones now that have like a bold visual and will give you space to make a bold visual. Like when you've earned that right, man. Yeah. And if someone like references a couple of things you've already done, it's kind of like, well, 
I don't want to shoot the same film. Interesting. Um, so you prefer references that are, I, I guess if someone is referencing your own work, that's a boring reference. No, it, if it's like one project or a specific moment, that's really cool. But if it's like, oh, we, we love the way the interviews were lit for this thing. We want to do that. You're kind of like, well, mm, like... It's better I if references are coming from, from things you haven't shot. Yeah, or if they're willing to make it a conversation. Right. Um, and then it's like, well, hey, how about we try this? Because that worked in this situation because yeah. X, Y, Z. Yeah. There's always a reason why you're lighting or shooting something a certain way. That makes sense. That makes total sense. Um, so I've just been way more proactive. Um, cool. And like all the commercial work's been really nice. It's been nice to just like split it up so it's now, you know, maybe more commercial in doc. And I've started getting scripts for narrative projects. I'm waiting to choose the right one. Like I had one that I would have loved to do, but the schedule wouldn't have worked because mm. I'm doing another film with Jimmy and Shy. And if I'd taken this narrative, um, which was a really hard thing to say no to, uh, it meant that I wouldn't have been able to do that film with the yeah. schedule. Well, your um, relationship with Jimmy and Shy is certainly special and worth yeah. protecting. We're, you know, it's like we're good friends. It's mm-hmm. like, and they bring me back even if I didn't do it, I'm sure, but it's, I want to be there for them and with them making these stories. So, I mean, the follow-up got to be a part of the follow-up. Yeah. And, you know, we just did a big commercial project together as well. Oh, that's um, cool. Yeah. It's, it's all been really good. So I've just been very much more proactive um, since then. I signed with an agency, so that's been great. And they're You amazing. weren't on one before. Uh, no. You know, I talked with quite a few, but it didn't feel right. No one felt right. Um, and I, I met with loads right after and during the Oscar stuff um, before that. And then you made it um, all the way through winning an Oscar without an agent. Yeah. And I, you know, I, I, like I said, I talked with loads, yeah, um, but it yeah. was just about finding the right relationship. And honestly, what wasn't working with the conversations? Um, no, it's just about feeling, Gen- generally speaking. Um, it's about feeling like someone gets you as a person, not just as a commodity. Right on. Um, you know, and what do you want to do and what you're trying to say with your cinematography? Mm-hmm. And also like someone that you feel like, like working with a team that you feel like you could hang out with socially for me is important. Not that we do, but just like, I can talk to them about any number of things. Right. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's just very personal. No, I like hearing that. I think um, that's great sage advice. And uh, that and sounds like the perfect yeah, way to go thinking about it. Larkin ended up, ended up hooking me up with um, the people at WPA. He was like, hey, you should really look at them. And then uh, set up a meeting and we just got along super well. Cool. And, um, you know, I trust his opinion. Like, you know, very, <laughs> I trust his opinion strongly. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's great. Um, I think we covered it all. I, I, I really appreciate the opportunity to talk about all of it. Um, the stories about everything was just uh, just awesome. So, you know, thanks for, thanks for stopping by. My pleasure.